0: Hello everyone, it's Tom Quee back here, just for a quick intro for today's very special episode. As you may have noticed from the title, we had none other than Blake Neely on the show. Blake is a musical legend, a legend in every sense of the word really. He was a joy to talk to, he, you know, we're going to get into it in the episode momentarily, but he basically worked on Portals and has known the band since s and we talk about all of those adventures and much, much more. So yeah, just before we get into the interview, don't forget to follow us at Metallica Pod. Get in touch with me, Pod at gmail.com if you want to come on, if you want to discuss one of the covers, well, a batch of the covers from the Blacklist, get in touch with me there. Patreon is there if you want to support, you want to give back, you want to keep the lights on and get access to interviews like this. And basically the next episodes down the line will always be on the Patreon there first. YouTube, finally, as well. Please subscribe on YouTube. I'm uploading loads of the old things that used to be on there and all the new episodes going forward will be on YouTube links down below. But yeah, that's enough blathering. So I'm very, very happy to introduce to the show Blake Neely. Blake is an Emmy Award winning American composer, conductor and orchestrator. He has been nominated for three Primetime Emmy Awards. He has an astonishing back catalogue. I mean, I am talking like Metallica level back catalogue here, people. He's uh, he's perhaps known for his work with Greg Bellanti across the Arrowverse series, providing unforgettable scores to Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Batwoman, Legends of Tomorrow, and, you know, all those incredible shows. And those are some legendary figures, no doubt, The Flash, Batwoman, etc. But around these parts, the ultimate superheroes are James, Lars, Rob, and, of course, Kirk, some of whom Blake has worked with, which we'll get to very shortly. Blake, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So I just want to talk a little bit about your musical origins before we get onto your work with Metallica and, of course, Portals. I, i've been reading a little bit and i you know saw you naturally had a lot of classical influence coming through your parents and and stuff like that and piano and, and teaching yourself but i was intrigued that um steely dan and rush the piano of those bands also figured heavily into your early years so that's um
1: it's funny you bring that up because that's an absolute lie <laughs> a friend of mine Got me back about a year ago for a prank I did on him by changing my Wikipedia page and not telling me about it. (laughs) And I just discovered this a month ago and I don't know how to change it back. I would I I would actually say that I am reverse inspired by (laughs) Russians. Hopefully they're not listening to this. But uh, yeah, I I just can't. I've got to find someone that can change the Wikipedia page back because (laughs) that's not what it was.
0: Okay, fair enough. I mean, I had lots of stuff here about all my favorite piano, steely dance songs, but we don't need to get into that. Um, another major influence on you and, you know, on me, on pretty much the whole world, John Williams. John Williams is a big influence. Is that right? Huge. I was eight years old. I was a big classical music buff
1: uh, freak. You know, as an early age, my parents gave me the records and I would, you know, fake, per, fake conduct in front of the mirror and, um, and I went to see Star Wars when I was eight years old, and I sat there in the theater and I thought, I've never heard this music before, this orchestral music. Mm. Maybe it was written specifically for the film. So I asked my parents, I said, well, yeah, it's written by this man named John Williams. And, and I thought, well, then that's a job. That has to be someone's job. I want that job. And that's what kicked me off on this
0: lifelong adventure of wanting to be a composer. And, you know, I, I discovered you just looking at portals and just seeing all the people that were involved in the record. And just basically, you know, to be honest, seeing who had a blue, you know, who, who was highlighted in blue, who I can click on who I can research. But it was fascinating <laughs> to me to go back through the history, and to learn that you've had a long relationship with Metallica. So I was hoping you could just explain how a Disney internship led to Michael Kamen. And, and you know, how, how did that all come come together? Yeah.
1: So I got a a friend of mine in college. His dad worked at Disney. Uh, I went to college in Texas, rejected from the music school. So I Mm -hmm. thought I've got to figure this out myself. This friend wanted me to spend the summer in LA. So he he asked his dad if he could get me an internship at Disney in the music department. So we did. And that was the door that really opened for me because then I started, after I graduated, I got a job at Disney. um, And it led to meeting lots of composers. And one of them was Michael Kamen, the great Michael Kamen, who did uh, Mr. Hans Opus and Robin Hood, of course. <clears throat> and he was, I was leaving Disney and he was looking for someone that could put his scores together for a concert tour. Hmm. So I took on the job, became very close with Michael. And we, it was like 1999. And he called me, he said, uh, Blakey, he was the only person that ever called me that. I've got a I've got a gig I'm doing with this little band called Metallica. Are you aware of them? (laughs) I think we all know Metallica. And he said, okay, I'm going to send you a couple of charts to orchestrate. And you're an orchestrator, right? And I'm like, I said, sure. Even though I hadn't done it, I was... Right, right. So I get this chart. And what orchestration is, is it's figuring out what which instruments are going to play which lines in the music. So the the music's all written, of course, it's Metallica's music. And then Michael did an arrangement, which is music that'll play behind the Metallica song. And then as an orchestra, it's my job to figure out what instruments are going to play that arrangement. And I knew we had an orchestra, so I did this and he loved it. And he sent me four more. And then suddenly I find myself in San Francisco to do the big concert Mm. that was going to turn into the record S and M, which we all, Absolutely adore oh my god at this point and just celebrated what was it? Uh 20th anniversary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so we're there rehearsals, we're there for about a week, and you know, you kind of get to know the band, even though these are behemoths in my life. These, you know, to even meet these guys was crazy. And we were sitting at lunch one day, and I got seated next to Kirk. And started figuring out that this guy had the same interests that I did. He loved classical music. His warm-ups on his guitar are all like Mm. Bach-related. Just a phenomenal musician. And we kind of geeked out together. And got along great. And we had a really fun time doing the San Francisco show, the New York show, at Madison Square Garden, which for a 30-year-old is like crazy fun. Um, So that was the kickoff. That's how I met them. That's that's the work we did. And uh, that was sort of the kickoff of my orchestration career. I,
0: I found an interview that you did around the time. and I thought it was quite interesting what you said, where you just basically saying that, you know, whether it be Michael Kamen or Vangelis or Beethoven or Metallica, it's all music. I mean, can you just elaborate on that a little bit? I will add to that uh, the Kit Kat
1: commercial song. Britney Spears, Madonna. Steely it's Dan, all... even
0: maybe like
1: Steely Dan and Rush. And why Rush. <laughs> not? Um, it's all music. It's all it all comes from the same eight notes. Yep. The same instruments. You know, it it's all music that someone cared about and wanted to put forth into the world. And some of it we love and some of it we don't. And that's fine. That's like, you know, I like, I like steak, and you might be a vegan. Mm-hmm. So it's all music. I mean it to this day. I don't know where you found that interview, but <laughs> I, I still mean it.
0: Yeah, I think it was on the Vangelis fan site because I I know obviously you work with Vangelis, <laughs> yeah. which uh, which yeah, I mean we
1: Will talk it, talk about that. Talk about as well. another monster.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, some kind of monster there, definitely. So um what was the relationship with Kirk and maybe if there was any with the band? sort of from SNM up until Portals, because that is like, you know, we just talked about the 20th anniversary and we had SNM 2 as well. Like, was there any kind of, you know, communique in that time or
1: well, where I really hit off with, with the band was uh two things that stick out. We they always come out to ecstasy of gold, as you know, mm-hmm. and you know more are coming. And we didn't we hadn't prepared it. So we're there at rehearsals and I think it was Lars that said, you know, can we hear ecstasy of gold? And Michael's like, oh, we didn't prepare that. And I'm on it. So I go to Amoeba Records in San Francisco and Mm -hmm. I find The Good, the Bad and the Ugly CD. And I go back to my brothers who I'm staying with and I just spend all night doing what's called a takedown, which is where you listen to the orchestral performance and you just write down who's playing what. And so I spend all night on it. I'm like, I've got to cover this. Um, we go to rehearsals and Michael puts it up to play with the orchestra and uh, he looks at me and says is this going to be okay and I go I think it's right I think it's right but I'll know when we hear it so he plays it and the band goes nuts because I mean they've been coming out to this for years and they love it and Michael says Blake took that down last night and explained what I'd done and I'll never forget it Jason comes over and grabs me by the head and gives me a noogie, and I thought, okay, I'm good with the band now. So kind of after that, it became easy to talk to them. Yeah, uh, James is, a, I mean, they're all just like the sweetest people oh. you can imagine. Um, so that was it. We did the show, we did the backstage stuff. I learned at an early age that the the your smartest thing to do when you're working with a band is become very good friends with the security guard because mm-hmm. then you can go anywhere. Sure. Um, And it was just fun. And then it was over. It was just over. And the album came out and I went on with my career. Cut to 2014. So 14, well, the concert was in 2000. So 14 years later, I'm going to this uh concert in Washington, D.C. that I've done some music for, like the opening. And they're going to have a bunch of bands perform. It was for Veterans Day uh, performance. Sure. And I sit down on the plane. And I don't usually fly first class, but I had gotten this ticket. And I look to my right and there's Kirk Hammond sitting next to me. He's got mm-hmm. sunglasses on. And I haven't seen or talked to him in 14 years. And I'm debating, oh, I don't want to bother him, but I do have a relationship with them. And so finally, he gets all settled and he's just staring forward. We're reading a book and I, I get up the nerve and I say, hey, Kirk. And he looks out of the side of his, sort of out of the side of his eyes. And I see this reaction like, oh, fuck, I've been recognized. I really don't want to talk to like people. And I said, hey, I don't want to bother you, but I'm Blake Neely. And years. Ago, and as soon as I said that, he goes, Blake, holy shit. And we talked nonstop for six hours to DC. Nice. And then uh, I got to be reacquainted with the band. And, and uh, it was just so much fun. And so we exchanged numbers and he goes, we got to stay in touch. And we did. And we would text back and forth. Cut to three years after that, he's like, I'm coming to L.A. I'm going to be doing some recording and we're doing a concert at the Rose Bowl. And I said, why don't you do the recording in my studio? And he goes, really? Oh, yeah, dude, it's it's yours. You can have it for two days that you're here. So here he is hanging out at my studio for three days. And we're just like catching up like old friends. It's really fun. Uh, you know, everyone on my team is like, I cannot believe Kirk Hammett's not in the building. I'm like, cool, he's the coolest. You know, take it easy. Yeah, and uh, and that will lead us to your questions about portals because that's literally how it
0: happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's, I mean, portals is you know four tunes, uh, EP, instrumental EP. Kirk describes it as soundtracks to the movies in your mind. What do you think about that quote? I love it.
1: I mean. It, some of us have a constant radio going in our head uh, a lot of composers i've talked to have this it's just music constantly going not even ours a lot of other music mm-hmm. sort of tap into the stuff that you think's original go like oh wait i think that's i think i can do something with that that's maybe mine and i think that he's such a visual person you know he's got this huge collection of monster oh yeah i think he has the biggest collection of monster memorabilia monster movie memorabilia it wouldn't surprise so you. so i would that. imagine that he kind of Yeah, it's crazy huge, and it goes on tour. I would imagine that he uh, is very visual and has movies always going on in his brain. So when he spoke to me about, uh, when he was there in the studio then, he said he was going to take this collection that he has, and I think it was going on tour or as an installation somewhere, and he wanted to put music to it. So as you're seeing this, you're also hearing what he hears in his brain when he sees this. Uh, you know these images and yep. so he kind of talked about it I said well play me something and he starts playing this thing and I go dude that's awesome that should be like orchestral with your guitar that should be everything I mean we could I could do that for you like let me do an arrangement so here I'm going back to like what Michael started doing for them which is take your music and put additional stuff behind it and create a a, a bigger piece and so we spent those three days while he was doing something else in the other. He was working on the record, hmm. but he would send me tracks, and then I would incorporate it. And by the end of that three days, we had this this piece, Portals.
0: So, so you're you're across all of Portals, not just Maiden and the Monster.
1: No, just Maiden Monster.
0: Just Maiden and the Monster. Okay, okay, because he was yeah. working
1: on Portals here, right? But I right. was I was working on Maiden Monster.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a crazy difficult piece of music mm. um it was fun to sort of come up with him he would have these lines uh these sort of orchestral lines in his brain and he would play it for me or sing it to me and then i go okay what if what if the oboe played that and what if the strings did this and i have a system here as a film composer you have a system where you can mock all that up mm. and make it sound like you know strings are playing brass is playing and over those three days he just pop back in my room i go okay i've got another idea listen to this and then
0: that that piece came out of that. You know, it's an extraordinary song. Like, we've, we've already covered it on the podcast. People can go back and listen to it. But, yeah, it's like, you know, at times pensive and then deliciously evil. And you have a lot of the traditional kind of Metallica riffing and soloing. And then there's lots more of the, the soundscapes. I mean, one of the things that really struck me that I'm sure you worked on, Kirk, with on this tune is just the the density, the, the the layering of the instruments, you know, it's not really something you hear outside of s with Metallica, but here it's like a whole new vista for Kirk. It, it's quite incredible.
1: It's dense. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of the things that we found fun to do um, was find the ways to offset the density. So have these moments of calm. So then when it gets, you know, almost, almost single instruments for a minute and then, you get back into the layers and um it's a lot lot to unravel I mean to just to if you look at the orchestral score of it it's 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 very difficult it's very layered it's very dense is the best word you said it
0: yeah yeah and it's very
1: outside of what I was doing at the time you know I'm doing these doing these superhero tv shows and well I I love doing stuff that I'm not comfortable with and that I'm that I'm not doing at the time Mm really pushes your boundaries and i think we pushed each other in that
0: way yeah i mean it, it's it's a triumph quite frankly like you know i I love all of portals like i think portals is a kind of a magnificent release but yeah the maiden the monster it just it has so much going on like you say and it's such a journey um you know kirk has spoke in interviews for portals of his aspirations to be a film composer and and these tracks for, certainly feel you know in that mode did, did he speak about this at all to you
1: yeah, we talked about it, I was, and he, he was hung up with the uh, the technicality of it, mm. and I think a lot of, you know, like I said in that interview, it's all music, I say this to other artists, I've worked with, with other artists that aren't film composers, I'm like, it's just, you don't need to worry about the technicality of it, that's like saying I can't make music because I don't know how to run a mixing board, or I don't know how to run a tape machine, yeah. or I don't know Pro Tools you can make music that's the most important part so you find someone that can handle the technicality of it like how you put that music to picture and that's that's me so we talked about trying to find a project in the future where where we could do a score together because once you once you do it like like i i did a film score with my friend tony canal who played bass for um no doubt Hmm. and we did one he goes we gotta do another i go no dude you're you're on your own now (laughs) i have shown you how to do it go go score film and i think People like Kirk, who are just phenomenal musicians and and such exciting composers in their own right, if they could just get through the technical aspect of it, he would be a great film composer because he he can tell a story. That whole record is just a great story being told. And that's all did, film scoring is.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, did you... I don't know, did you have any, any inclination to include him in any Arrowverse stuff? Like, I could hear a guest solo in there somewhere. Like
1: I did. So that's how I met Tony Canal and Stephen Perkins was we did this. We always did this big crossover where all of the shows converged. Right. And the, the biggest one we did was uh, called Crisis on Earth X. And I had mm. this idea to have a band behind the orchestra. So I reached out to Tony, Stephen and Kirk. That was going to be my band. And Kirk was like, I'm there, I want to do it. This is gonna be awesome. And then he got pulled to Hawaii and couldn't do it. And I was trying to find ways to send him tracks and do it in Hawaii, and it just didn't work. Um I think it was Hawaii, but anyway, he'll he'll know. But yeah, it's always been, I thought his voice on the superhero stuff would have just been incredible. Yeah. No, I mean he he has a voice on that guitar that's unmistakable Mm. when you it's like if you hear a Beethoven symphony you can't mistake it for Mozart you cannot mistake when you hear Kirk Hammett play guitar and I thought what a what a thing to put on something of mine so I'm still to this day looking for something for us to do together yeah and uh and I hope it I hope it happens
0: well it's like you know obviously it's quite, it's quite fascinating that this is the first ever Metallica solo project as well. Like there are, there is a, of someone in the band at the time, this has never happened before. And you've got to think there's so much music pouring out of Kirk that there, you know, there must be another EP or an album or, a, you know, a film score or something coming up. I, I would, I would hope. I'm sure he told me
1: same as me. He said, I, I write every day. I write every day mm-hmm. and I I play guitar for hours a day. I write all the time I record it. So you know, just like the Prince vaults, I'm sure yes. there are vaults at Kirk's barn that uh, we would
0: all <laughs> love to hear. And um, on, on Metallica as well, I'm just interested did you get a chance to listen to SM2? And, and what did you think of that whole uh, orchestral metal kind of rendition?
1: I did not listen to it.
0: Okay. Well, it's very good. It's have, very good. I Blade. have not
1: listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, excellent. I will listen to it. I think I was, I think. You know, there's a part of me that I lived SM mm. one. I hear. You. And there's a party that goes, I don't know, because what if it's better? And I that sounds terribly selfish of me, but I just uh you know, it's like I was there in the moment. But if you're saying it's great, I'm gonna listen to it because I'm a massive fan of the band.
0: Yeah, yeah. I it's uh, I think I think a, a particular track you might find interesting is um they cover this futurist composer that I'm sure you're aware of, Alexander Mosolov, and they do a song called Iron Foundry, which is very much, whereas the majority album is it's the orchestra company Metallica. That's a song where Metallica accompanied the orchestra and it kind of turns oh, on its yeah. head a little bit. So, so yeah, that, that, that is really worthwhile, but, um, but yeah, no, B- Blake, again. I really appreciate you coming on. I've I've been I, yeah I want to learn as much as possible about portals. Is there any other stories from the studio that you feel uh, us Alpha Metallica listeners need to know with Kirk?
1: Well, what's what's really funny is we got to San Francisco, and Michael Kane was always a showman. He just just was, but he's having to conduct this hundred piece orchestra behind the loudest band in the world, and and every once in a while you know like Kirk would come over or. Jason would come over and Michael would turn around and interact with them. But this was incredibly hard music and a lot to follow, you know, to be aware of as a conductor. So we figured out Michael needs someone just to say, like when he turns around and gets distracted and comes back, where are we in the music? Mm. And so (laughs) there's a if you if you ever go back to the MTV videos from that show, there's a guy dressed in all black kneeling down between Michael and Lars and that's me and if Michael would turn around I would just I had another another person on the team was in the back and they would radio to me what bar we were on and I would simply point to the bar so when Michael turned back around he'd know exactly where we were which is a fun little history moment and I'm trying to be as still as possible because you don't want to notice that there's someone there but what's hilarious is Lars is also to my right and he would fuck with me. So if I ever looked at Lars, he would just smash the symbol next to my ear as loud as possible. So by the by the time concert came, I'm putting earplugs in, <laughs> and uh, it was just fun. And I, I'm sure Lars remembers it, but I don't have any touch with with those guys.
0: No, no, no But
1: no. Kirk and I, Kirk and I were laughing about it when we when we reconnected, and he's like, "Yeah, you were that guy that just got messed with." <laughs>
0: and one final thing then because again doing a bit of research on you this i was like wow This you, you know you got so many accolades in your career undeniably and we you know we could speak for hours but you wrote the piano for dummies book like that is some oh, serious yeah. cachet there like uh, serious cachet not serious cash no
1: <laughs> <laughs> i uh that was long before i did any of this um I was doing I was doing some method books for this company called Hal Leonard, and I pitched yes. them the idea. It was right when the dummies books were becoming big, and they're branching out from just computers. And I pitched the idea of piano for dummies and they they said, "Great, and they offered it to me, and they said, "We're not doing a royalty deal. And it was basically a game of chicken. And they said, "We'll get somebody else. and I really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think people look at that one of the biggest successful piano methods ever. 35 different languages and they think oh wow you must be I'm like yeah I got I got paid a mere sum. some yeah um it's really funny I still get emails from that oh, wow. I'll get emails from people saying like hey the best one was hey I found this mistake on page 35 I'm like I wrote that 30 years ago <laughs> I good luck yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun to have in your resume you know it's always the surprise
0: oh, I always put it at the very bottom it's like wait and two. well i I mean look there's too much to go through but i urge people i'm just scrolling through your imdb now we we spoke about all the Bellanti stuff but it's also like you know the flight attendant the time traveler's wife uh last samurai you worked on as well i mean like what is is there any like dream people you'd like to work with just to close on like directors like is there anything you'd really love to score like
1: I, I've really come to a point in my career where I just, I like to do different things. Mm. So it's like, if, I, if I've done it, I don't want to do it again. Um, there's a, there's a funny thing that happens in film scoring where if they, uh, directors will do what's called temping. So they'll take other soundtracks and put it under their movie while they're making it. And then they'll, they'll find that it's really working. So then they'll reach out to that composer to do the new score. And it's the hardest thing to come in. It's like, I really like your score to the flight attendant and i want something just like that and my answer is always well i just i already did that i'm not going to do it again mm. i mean how could i do it again you know mm-hmm. so i i like to look for projects that are different from what i've done and i i work with anybody I, you know as long as they're nice people there's yeah. to to your question there's hundreds of directors of i'd course. love to work with but yeah. uh, um i've i've been very blessed in getting to do lots of different things as you as you say from the oh. credits it's like so many different things yeah. And then to add to that, being able to work with these superheroes of my my childhood, Metallica. And mm-hmm. you know, it's a very diverse career and I love it. So it's hard for me to answer what I'd like to do because I I feel like I've done, uh, shit, I've no, done I... what eight-year-old me. I've done what eight-year-old me would not believe I've been able to do. Yeah. And that that's the blessing.
0: No, it's astonishing. I joked
1: when I I joked when uh when don't when kirk was coming to the studio i i joked i I called my manager and i said uh, hey kirk's coming over he's gonna spend some time at the studio and i just called eight-year-old me and he told me to fuck off
0: (laughs) (laughs) well blake i can't thank you enough this has been enlightening and you know truly a privilege uh thank you again for coming on the podcast hey thanks for finding me and i'll talk to you soon